I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. All right, Peter, so this is a tribute show, so I want to start off with your nicknames. Um, you've got Peter the Great and you've got God. Where, when did these start, and uh, what do you think of them? Well, those would be nicknames outside of the club. Uh, I would have other nicknames in the in the club, uh, more to do with my hairline probably than than anything <laughs> else. But uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be called that about here. Is is there a petrol Pete as well? That's on your Wikipedia page. No, no, um, Harry would be the name that I would get <laughs> locally here, um, and I don't know where the others uh, came out of, but uh, I take it as a compliment. Well, there's no doubt you're being called God. Do you know where God, when it originated? Was it in the 90s or was it when you, in 2003 when you were captain for the All-Ireland win? Well, I presume it was maybe around 95 or that, um, after getting to the All-Ireland final, which we very nearly won. But um, look, I wouldn't have passed much remarks. I don't know where it came out of. Uh, right. Um, some people didn't find it that funny, I recall at the time. But anyway, uh, it didn't annoy me one bit. Right, okay. So come here, Tyrone, obviously, for anyone that's in around my age, Tyrone are known for, you know, loads of underage success in the late 90s, you know, in the early 2000s. But back in the late 80s and early 90s, you had your own huge kind of wave of underage success. Like, was there, you won a, a Nulster Minor in 88 and then two under 21 All-Irelands. Was there the same hype back then? Oh, it, it, it was serious at, at, at that stage because prior to that, um, thrown we're not accustomed to success or winning all Ireland. So funny going through a few old photographs and whatnot and the crowds that attended those under twenty one games and in particular the semi finals and the final was, was something else and 
the euphoria that greeted those wins in the, in the county um, was something else. And, and I think if it happened now, you know, there wouldn't be much of a song or dance about it compared to back then because, you know, we, we've managed to win a few all in the interim. But um, no, there was, there was serious hype and energy um, in the county. And that was... Like we won three under twenty Ulster under twenty ones in a row nineteen ninety one ninety two, and I suppose that was the springboard for uh, you know a lot of those players stayed on stayed on the uh, made it onto the senior panel and came very close to winning it ninety five ninety six. Yeah, that was all that age. That was all that age group. But like, I mean, you almost missed the minor championship in nineteen eighty eight. There was a big uh, split mm. in Ballygally where you're from. Tell us about that. Well, that's how long this program, Wally. Um, <laughs> the, uh, look, I cut a long story short. I suppose it's well enough documented at, at, at this stage. There was a split in the club. And um, I was part of the the breakaway club, if you want to call it that, that, that tried to get affiliated to, to the county board. Um, we weren't successful and we tried for, for nine years so, uh, to get affiliated. So for nine years, we wouldn't have been playing or I wouldn't have been playing um, club football uh, as such. And it was a case of going around uh, playing challenge games. Right. Um, we played, without a doubt, in those years, be it underage and at, at senior level, uh, we played more challenge games than any other club would ever want to play. But th- that that was our sole uh, means of, of playing Gaelic Gaelic games because you know we, we weren't officially recognised. And that that uh, was the that was the Errigal Kieran club that we know now. It it, it was um, yeah the club was in Kieran's Ballygally uh, and uh, the corner of the parish that, that we are from is Glen Cull and um, there was a small pitch and and we trained and by all intents and purposes we were a club now we would have struggled obviously for numbers we were we were very small. But at the time, we, we felt uh, we could have survived. But look, there was serious animosity. There was there was men didn't speak. There was relatives um, in the parish that went to, to mass and sat beside other and didn't speak to other over there at football. Um, so it, it it was caused serious division uh, division within the parish. And to cut long story short, um, under the direction of the Cardinal O'Fee back then, Father Sean Haggerty was was appointed a curate to the parish and he came with the remit of uh, getting these people talking, getting this club sorted and he came to, out to the Glen Cull side of things, uh, told us what we wanted to believe, he went to St Cairns, uh, Ballygally, told them what, what they wanted to hear, uh, told us all a pack of lies but got the two sides talking again <laughs> and, and, and the, the outcome of that was that the club was reformed and it was uh, called after the parish um, which is Eric Cairn. And you know it, 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 you know it took a long time to get it sorted. But the outworkings of that was that there was a rejuvenated group. There was uh, a really focused emphasis towards football. It given an uh, an idea and an indication of how important football was to, to the people here. And uh, as a result of that, the club went on, won their first county title in, in 60 years in, in 93 and went on to win the Ulster the same year, the first thrown club ever to win an Ulster club so uh, since then I suppose the club hasn't looked back. No, like I mean that's incredible that you were just playing challenge matches because so you'd have no underage titles or you know how, how would you even keep young lads interested when they had no you know competition to play for? 
Well, well, what are we doing now? Football's football, and and lads are going out kicking the ball against the wall. Um, and my case is, my case, we had a local pitch down beside us, and that was my theatre of dreams. That was my Croke Park. Um, there was a big bank behind one of the goals, and I went down every day imagining that I was Mikey Sheehy kicking the ball over the bar in the in the Hill 16 and playing an All Ireland final. So, you know, that was it, and it, it gave me ample opportunity. To practice the skills of the game. Um, bear in mind, you know, I was still playing schools football, so that that was uh, a competitive outlet, whereby I, I was representing the school and, and still playing matches. Um, but I was fortunate in, in that there was a, a compromise for me to play for Throne Miners, but uh, my older brothers, there's other members in the club, didn't get the opportunity. They were good enough to have played for Throne Miners, Throne on the 21s, Throne Seniors, and, and they didn't because they weren't recognised as official members of, of the GAA. So hence, when, when it came to me playing for the Throne Miners, uh, I, I wasn't a registered member, and was members of the county board insisted to the management that in, in, under no circumstances was I to play for, for the county. And the manager at that time was Francie Martin, uh, Carrick Moorman, and he was adamant that I'm a throne uh, player. I want to play for a throne, and that I was going to line out for for the county team. And after a lot of uh, late night phone calls and, and meetings, uh, Francie came up with the idea that uh, that I register for Kelly Clacher Holland Club, <laughs> uh, a, a club that I had no allegiance to. Um, and I had solely playing football at the time. I, I wouldn't play in Holland, so. That's that's what happened. I um, through Brandon Harkin, who who was on the county board and a, a, a great Yale, he facilitated that where whereby I became a member of Killyclare Hurling Club and the program um, for my first outing for Throne against Antrim in, in the minor championship was uh, P. Canavan Killyclare Hurling Club. <laughs> so you did a Shawnee Johnson before Shawnee Johnson ever ever did anything like that. Well, the only difference was I think Sean I actually did play a bit of hurling down there and Kildare. Uh, I certainly didn't play any particularly clever. You didn't have to. So, like, Pascal would never have played County Minor because he had no club. He didn't have an affiliated club. The same, exactly. And with yeah. an older brother at the time, Stephen was playing. And there was other members, uh, too, um, of, of Glen Cull that certainly would have been on, on County panels and they would have had a miss out um, for that reason. Right, okay. So was schools football then really competitive-wise where you kind of honed your skills and got to practice them in really competitive action? Yeah, between that and and um, the, the challenge games and, and the bits and pieces of training that we would have did, our numbers were very small, but certainly there would have been tournaments and, and, and the summers were, were spent down on the, on the football uh, pitch. Um, so look, there were, there were still good times and, and, and great memories to look back on, but you know, it's something that I would often say now, maybe that there's so many youngsters coming up, and they have they have too many training sessions whereby they're doing or uh, falling into line with what coaches is doing. They're going to school as, as training, and uh, a lot of lads don't get the opportunity to go down and and to practice um, their own particular skill set or whatever they want to do. And as a result of that, maybe it it has taken away, and our game has become a wee bit. Um, regimented um, at an at an earlier age. 
Yeah. So, like, I mean, I suppose maybe when the numbers are so small in training, you've got more space to practice the left and the right. Or was that natural? Which you, you know, would you have? You would have had more of a relaxed environment, maybe, to be able to practice your skills. Well, absolutely. But I, I must give credit to one of my, one of my school teachers and and first or second year, uh, I didn't make the team. Um, and and my manager uh, to save him embarrassment, I'll I'll, I'll not name him, but uh, he he said that it was it was too small that he wanted to play the bigger lad. So I was uh, uh, put on the bench. I didn't take it too well, and um, but uh, at that time uh, I had a choice of either right doing nothing about it or 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 trying to become a better footballer. And I would I would say at that stage I was probably all right footed. So it, it gave me the opportunity, right, I'm, I'm going to go and, and prove this man wrong and, and work on my skills. I'm never going to make myself any bigger, but I could certainly make myself more skillful. And th- that allowed me the opportunity um, to do that. I certainly at the time, I wasn't going straight into games all the time. So I had uh, no shortage of, of time to practice. And, and thankfully, that's uh, certainly worked for me, as I'm, I'm sure it has for others. What do you think the strongest part of your game was? Um, back then, um, probably finishing and and and, and ball control. Uh, there's a few old videos floating about, but um, back then, certainly I recall um, '84 when I was when I was 13 years of age, and my father taking me to the uh, Ulster final, throwing played Armagh, and that was the year that Frank McGuigan. Um, Put on the exhibition. I know you're a big man for YouTube there, Wally. If you go back and, and look at that, you'll see Frank McGuigan scored 11 points yeah. in an Ulster final against Armagh, all of them from, from play, first right foot and, and left foot. It, it was an exhibition, and um, I, I recall leaving that game in awe of him and, and going home. We were able to get the video of the game, and I lost count of the times that I watched it. Um, when I went down to the pitch, uh, I was trying to be Frank McGuigan and again using right and using left foot. Um, and likewise, the Kerry golden years, Kerry were in the prime. We watched that video, and time after time, I was John Egan or I was I was uh, Meg Sheehy down on the pitch on my own. Um, and often people could hear a bit of commentary going on. It was me hollow hair at the same time when I was kicking the ball over the bar. So. Um, that's that's where it, where it started um, for me, and that's that's where the skills were honed. Well, like you mentioned, Egan and Sheedy there. Um, like I mean, they're corner forwards, and like you've got kind of traditionally the build of a corner forward. Like, how did you end up in a full forward in the nineties? Because it was unusual to have somebody that was looked like a corner forward playing at number fourteen. You'd be used to in the nineties, like Vinnie Murphy, Seamus Downey, Peter Whitnell, Tony Boyle. You know, a different type of full forward. Uh, we're not blessed with big men up here in throne, you see, Willie. You, you know um, Still. It, it, it was a strange one um, because, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been full forward all the time either for, for Eregel, but maybe that's where I was uh, at that stage. Myself and, and Kieran McBride um, would have played in the full forward line a lot of the time ourselves, and, and he was a bigger target man. So, I'm not too sure where that uh, came out of, but um, as you're aware of, the game is, is played in cycles and fads. And at that time, in 1995, Throne and, and Dublin got to the All Ireland final, and the two full forwards were myself and Jason Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so for 
uh, club teams and a lot of county teams for a few years after that, well, the only way you're going to win anything now is by having a, a smaller, faster, mobile um, full forward. And that's what happened. A few years uh, down the line, Kieran Donaghy comes into full forward for Kerry. Big target man. Ball kicked in. Kerry won the Arnold. So what's the only way to, to play football now? You need a big uh, target man inside. So um, uh, I'm not too sure where it actually came from. Um, but for us at that stage, between Art McCurry and, and uh, Eugene came up with a plan, it, it, it certainly uh, paid off. And it was a position that I liked playing anyway. It, it gave you a wee bit more freedom in, in terms of the runs that you made um, in the, from the full forward line. Yeah, and it's it's more it's more freedom, and it put makes the other team have to do something with their fullback then because he's not the traditional marker. So now you have well, a, a corner back in at fullback and a fullback in the corner. Well, that is the other yeah, absolutely. That is the other valid point. I suppose they would have recognised as as management that back in the early nineties, most fullbacks were were pretty physical. They were big. They were there expecting a big high ball being played to the edge uh, of the square. So. What it did, and in a, a lot of occasions, I wasn't marked by that big physical fullback. He was moved out to cornerback uh, or somewhere else that that he wasn't happy with. So it it did it, it caused problems for uh, opposing defences and and got managers thinking without doubt. That that was the was that the best uh, kind of period in your career ninety four ninety five ninety six. Um, I, I would say yeah, uh, without a doubt. And when I was probably playing my best football and when as a club and as a county the club were successful in 93-94 um, and then the county really came good 94, we got to the Ulster final um, the first four years, it's worth, worth saying when there was no back door really, uh, uh, we didn't get past the first round so 90, 91, 92 and 93 uh, you trained all year to play in the championship and Throne didn't get past the first round, despite the fact we came close on a number of occasions. And I felt if we had got a breakthrough, if even if there had been a back door in those days, yeah, uh, there was a young emerging Throne group coming, for, you know, that had won the minors in the twenties. But there were some really established, brilliant players coming towards the end of their career. The Plunkett Donahue's, the John Lynch's, the Kevin McCabe's, Damien O'Hagan, and played with him, and, and Eugene McKenna. So. But we were coming up against, this was an era when Ulster were at their strongest. Uh, Donegal, down there, winning All-Ireland. And yet we were just getting a one one chance, uh, one crack at it. And if you didn't get there, that was you out of it. So um, bear in mind, uh, you know, I was starved for the first few years. Uh, you know, it was 23 before I won my first Ulster Championship match with, with Throne. Right. Okay. Jesus. Like, I mean, uh, look, Ulster was it, it. It was impossible to to be beaten. Some of the teams that were in Ulster at the time, you know, you had to serve your dues. But in '95, you came through. Yeah. Something. I wonder. Like, I mean, you were so good in those years. Do you think he, he, they were too dependent on you? You know, shooting the lights out every game, and if you didn't, you know, Tyrone were in trouble. No, absolutely not. Uh, again, that's. Uh, it's often documented that way. Um, if I hadn't been hitting the freeze, um, if you look at the, at the scoring stats, you know you'll see every game if it wasn't for me, then Throne mightn't have scored much. But a lot of those scores were coming coming from freeze, even though I learned final. So uh, I think that was um, very harsh on on the players that I was playing with. And 
a lot of those players were very unselfish, um, be it in terms of making runs or be it in terms of giving me the ball uh, to, to top it over the bar. So I, I think it, was, it wasn't a fair re- reflection of them. And the other thing about the, the game that, that we were playing, back in those days, we weren't the biggest thrown in, in what, 94, 95, 96. We, we weren't the biggest of, of, of teams. Often our midfielders, you know, Fergal Logan, Jody Gormley, Pascal, um, barely six foot, um, whereas we're coming up against bigger, more, more physical sides. So the type of game that we were playing, we were a mobile side. We were trying to move the ball fast. And there was a lot of interaction uh, with the forwards and, and creating space for one another. Um, yes, I was happy that I was playing well, but certainly there's a lot of players around me doing likewise. Right, OK. Come here, before we get into um, our first guest, I want to talk to you about the, the free in the last minute in 95. So I watched it back this morning and you were it, was, it, was, it wasn't a free. Like, I mean, the ball bounced as you hit it. Now, in, the, in Russell's... In Russell's Defense. It probably looked like it was. You know, you needed you needed the replay to see that it wasn't. Yeah, look, there wasn't much in it. It it, it, it was a difficult call, but the best of it was it it was a poor All Ireland final. There was a few controversial incidents that happened during the game, uh, and nine times out of ten, most referees would have been delighted, uh, especially, and it would have been getting a pat in the back from 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 Crow Park after blowing the final whistle as a draw and getting everybody back in a, in, in a few weeks. So uh, a draw probably on the day would have been a fair result. And that, apart from the controversial incidents, the two teams didn't play anywhere as well, uh, near as well as they could have. Um, so uh, I was since told uh, by one of his umpires that, that Paddy Russell actually thought the game was a draw at, at that stage. Oh, I, I, I don't know if that's right or not, but... <laughs> Uh, and, he, and he was awarding the free to uh, free out to Dublin and, and keeping the score level. But um, either way, it, 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 it definitely wasn't off the, off the ground, as, uh, as you say, but it was a difficult pill uh, to swallow and more so for, for the lads that didn't get a chance to come back and, uh, and to get their hands on an All-Ireland medal. That, that's the thing, and I suppose the disappointment was highlighted in the fact that the four All Irelands were won by Ulster teams the four years previous, and you, you know, you couldn't do it. You know, I'm sure in Ulster you, you probably got that in the year. Um, without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt, and that that was a difficult one for us to to stomach because um, uh, we were going down and we were keeping we were carrying the, the flag on everybody else's behalf. Those other men were big enough, strong enough physically and mentally to go and go down to Crow Park and, and win it and we were being labelled as, as the team that choked, the team that couldn't do it um, so you know apart from yes of, of course you would get the odd dig about it but uh, we knew ourselves um, and uh, we had a chance next year and in fact you know I, I would always have said we were playing better football and in, in 96 we, we were a better team and we were really well equipped to, to go down and, and win an All-Ireland at that stage um, so that was every bit as, as disappointing as the defeat in the 95 final Yeah, so talking about that 96 you obviously retained Ulster I think it was the first team in 20 odd years to retain Ulster and then came the big controversial All-Ireland semi-final um, in 1996 and to help us uh, talk through this we have Martin O'Connell um, on the line how's it going Martin? Very good yeah not bad at all Tom. as I say earlier there are strange times but um, keeping the best right now not too bad 
Great stuff, great stuff. Come here, I had to run it past Peter about getting a Mead player on the show, uh, considering that 96 game is still infamous. Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, look, I don't, I, it's, it's, it's for 20 odd years now, is it? I suppose it's just, I can't think many years it was. So it's, 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 it is 20 odd years. So um, I suppose it's, it's, it's stolen 20, because of. 24 years, Martin, I can still remember. 20, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not as good as last as you are, Peter, but um, yeah, 24 years and it's still being talked about. Um, so probably I was the one to blame for all that. It's still good talking about it. The first thing that comes to anybody's mind is the incidents that I was involved in and uh, I suppose the incidents that Peter was involved in as well. So. I think, unfortunately, that's what I remember for, but overall, it probably was a great game of football on, the, on me's behalf. It was one of our best games, I'd say. Um, but unfortunately, it's all, it's all down to the two or three incidents that, that unfortunately happened, you know. We'll, we'll get to the incidents in a minute, but um, I was reading in your book, Martin, and Peter, you need to clarify this, um, that Mead got very fired up before that game, not just about the challenge game, we'll get to that in a second, but they had been told that Tyrone had gone to Dublin the week before to record a song for the All-Ireland Final. No, <laughs> no. Uh, well, that was the rumor I heard. And maybe I just was. Maybe I don't know. Peter could answer that one. No, de- definitely not. No, uh, singing wouldn't have been something that Art McCrory would have been wanting us <laughs> to be engaging in before. Um, whilst there was a degree of confidence in and and thrown prior to that game, definitely not. That that certainly didn't happen. Um, I, I did read ab- about that um, uh, subsequently, but no, with, without a shadow of a doubt, that didn't happen. I think, I think from from a throne point of view, what 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 happened to us in, in terms of complacency, we did play Meath in a challenge game, yeah. and I know Meath may have been missing a few men out, and and throne played very well, and and throne beat them, um, and then on on top of that, Martin, from from the team, from the great Meath team. In, in the 90s, and funny, I was watching it last night, the 91 final, uh, Meath and uh, Down. And, um, uh, that that was a brilliant Meath team. But in, in 96, the, it was a shadow of that team. There was no, your spine of your team was, was literally gone. There was no Lions, there was no Harnan. Your midfield of Jerry McEntee, who was brilliant that day, and Liam Hayes was gone. And up front, your main men then. weren't there. Colin Morrock, Bernard Flynn, and, and Brian Stafford were all missing. So, I would say Throne maybe were looking at, at me in 96 thinking this is nowhere, this team was nowhere near as good as the team in a, a few years previous. But we certainly found out to our cost that they were they were far from it. What, what do you remember of that challenge game, Martin? Because Sean Bylan said it was the mother and father what? of a hiding. It was mother and father. I, I, I would think, and maybe I, I got years mixed up. I'm not going to remember. I, I think we played Tyrone, and Peter would, would, would maybe say that this was right or wrong. I think we played these in about two or three challenge matches that particular year, or maybe we in a short space of time, or over yeah. a period of time we probably played three matches. And and, and every time we played, use we seemed we could we could never beat it in, in challenge matches. I remember the one down in. Down in Irvingstown, was it in? in uh, That's right. We played That's using right. a challenge match down there, and it was, it was absolutely. We got a mother and father behind, as Sean says, and uh, I, whether that drove us even more to to, to beat Tyrone in '96 in the Ireland semi-final, maybe, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But um, uh, I just remember them games that we, we came to Navan in another night, and I think it was in a tour's evening, summer day, summer evening, and just hammered us as well. I think after 15 minutes, I think it was eight or nine points to no score at one stage. Right. And that was just after 15 minutes. So 
I think maybe them two challenges might have just fired us up that little bit more than maybe Tyrone were fired up because, as Peter says, he was probably looking at the, 90, at the 91 team with all those big names, his after name, and they were gone and maybe took it for granted a little bit, you know. Was it part of your plan, Martin, because Tyrone were not a big team and you were a more physical team to rough them up? I wouldn't. I don't think so. And I, I don't think a lot of people were saying Sean Byrne would have sent us out to do, do what was that type of stuff to be done. No, I, I don't think. I don't think so. Um, we just went and played our game, and and we knew it was going to be tough. And uh, we were maybe just fired up a little bit more than Tyrone were that day. And we weren't. We were certainly weren't confident. I say people would probably agree with me. I say Tyrone were probably just a little bit more confident than we were. And uh, no, I, I think we just went out and done done the way we normally play. To tell you the truth now. Right. Okay. That yeah, because like I mean, the meat the meat team of the late '80s and early '90s would have played like that. We probably would have played. Yeah, we were known as a as a tough team. I suppose that maybe Dorothy might have come into it then another time. But I suppose there's a big difference in Dorothy and tough. Um, like everyone thought that Mick Lyons was probably the Dorothy player of all time, but he I think he only got sent off once in his life playing for the county. So um, he might have got sent off once with his club. So. It was just that's just the way it was, and I suppose looking at football now compared to then, it was it was tough that time because you just got a ball and you had to get rid of it. If not, you were going to get clobbered by maybe two or three players, and that's just the way it was. And you get up and get on with it, you know. What did you make of your your challenge, Peter? It was after ten minutes, Troner four one up. Now I have to say, I was looking at it again this morning. John McDermott did. I've had that done to me and I wasn't anywhere near in your league probably the unlucky part of it is the way you landed on your ankle Peter would well, that be fair well enough? Well that's, that's absolutely correct because um, funny we played Derry in the semi-final Ulster semi-final and I had I did something similar won the ball up in the wing cut inside and as I was kicking it over the bar big Brian McGilligan came in <laughs> something that was a, an identical tackle to to John McDermott's and he caught me with his shoulder, um, but I bounced up, bounced over the bar, bounced up, and I was hundred percent. Yeah. So it's not as as if it has ever happened to you before that you were tackled late. It was whatever it was about that game from a throne point of view. Every time that we were hit or went down, um, it made a difference. And that I went over an ankle with injuries to Brian and Dinky. Every time they went down or hit, uh, they drew blood. So at at it didn't look good. There was bandages everywhere. Now, you'd go up and play and come out of games in Ulster and, and there wouldn't be a bandage needed and there'd be every bit as, uh, as physical. It's just whatever whatever meat hit that day, it, it stayed down and um, it certainly took a lot out of the throne team, more so mentally than it did physically. Right. How bad was your ankle when you did it? Like, I mean, the, you were obviously out for a long time after. Could, like, you stayed on for the whole game afterwards. Yeah, it was torn ligaments, and if I hadn't been captain, that was the first year that I was was captain of the of the county. Um, I probably shouldn't have come back out at, uh, in in the second half, but in a tight game, all earned semi final, I, I didn't want to do that. And again, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, I, I should have been taken off, or I shouldn't have stayed on myself. Um, but again, for anybody who wants to look at that, the first half of that game, I don't know what Martin's memories are. There was some great football played on it, and there were some brilliant scores. And Throne actually played very well. Now, the scoreline would suggest that that they didn't. I think in the second half, Mead were very dominant, but um, in the first half, the the two teams actually played very well, and and there were some great scores. And we were certainly, you know, in the game at at half time. 
How do you approach a game uh, playing against Tyrone with the form Peter was in, Martin? Like, I mean, he scored 3-13 in three Ulster matches in the lead up to that game. You had young Mark O'Reilly marking him. Like, I mean, what are you saying to Mark O'Reilly? Well, I suppose everybody knew kind of Peter Canavan what he was capable of doing and, and, and that particular year he was on fire that year and so was Mark O'Reilly was only a newcomer to us. He was only 19 years of age and uh, I suppose he felt a little bit under pressure going out and playing. But, um, like, I was one of the older lads that day and I just said, look, just go out and play your own game and do your own thing. And, and I suppose the young fellas from the 19, they probably maybe wouldn't be as nervous as, as like when I was maybe 32 or 3, you'd be more nervous. When you're, when you're 19 and 20, you don't really seem to be that that nervous. So that was really, I just told him afterwards and do his own thing. Um, but Peter, look at everybody, you what Peter Campbell was careful of doing and uh, he'd done it that particular year. He had, I think he cut a couple of points scored before he got that injury. And uh, look, at it, it was, we were delighted that he did stay on because um, he was he was probably coming to struggling, as he said there himself. He was struggling a little bit. Even when you look back on tapes of it, you can see him struggling a little bit. But he was a big name and, and, and for him to go off the team would have really would have really gave Tyrone a big blow. So I think he was probably right to stay on and would have done the same thing. And the Lionel said he finally doesn't come around too often. So look, you stay on as best you can and as long as you can. And Peter done that. Uh, the other incidents then as well that I was involved in, I put my hand up to this day, it was just Brian Dewar that time. I probably rushed into him and let him buy me. And then I went back to tackle him and he slipped in front of me. And then as I, I just went for it, Will put my hand up and say definitely clipped him with me with me stud and blood came from all over the place. So it's the football that was played as Peter says in the first half was very, very good from both teams. We just got a lucky goal, I suppose, from Graham Garrity. We were completely out of it. I think the first ten or fifteen minutes. It was four points to one. We got this ball around the middle of the field. I think Barry Talent whipped it across to Graham and he stuck in the back of the net and that brought it back into the game big time, you know. Yeah, that but, got just. As Peter says, it was touch and go for a long time in that match. Second half, we just kind of got control of it. We got another goal and uh, near the end, but we got some great points and people just lads just up their game big time, and Throne just couldn't handle it on that on that particular day for some reason, you know. Right. Come here, you mentioned the door incident, Martin, and like I mean, you see see that video again and again, and you're clearly looking at the ball. But you had had a good idea that Doer would have been down under you at the same time. Now, there's no way you would have thought you were stepping on his head. But it, it is his championship football. If you were thinking, look, if I have to walk on him to get this ball, I'm going to win this ball. Would that have been, like, yeah. would you have known he was down there? Oh, of course he was down there. Like, when you see it back on, on tapes, and I've looked at it when it slows it down, and it has been on papers and all the rest. But at the time, during the match, you just, I knew, he still, I kind of put my hand on his head to stop me from falling, to make me balance. And, for some reason, I was just as my foot was coming across him. He must have been getting up, and I just tripped him. And that was, but I went through a bad time catching for a stamp, and it wasn't my game. I don't think it was a stamp. A stamp is, and Peter would probably tell this is right. You look down at a fella's head and you stamp on him. I there was no stamp there really, as far as I was, as I can remember. It was more of a trip than anything else, and unfortunately. It drew blood and that, and it didn't look good. I was reading Peter that she had a new physio or doctor or something that day, and they they were going. But this, I think, this was Sean Byland's theory that that's why you were, the lads were coming back with huge head bandages because I suppose psychologically, like the teams looking at this, going like we're getting the shit beaten out of us here. Yeah, it didn't look good. Um, it certainly didn't. And us losing to to Dublin and, and breaking the cycle in '95 uh, wasn't good then. Uh, leaving Crook Park in that manner and uh, certainly didn't do us any good either. But no, I'm not too sure. Brent McDonald, Dr. McDonald, uh, an excellent doctor at the time, uh, and I don't know what the story was with the bandages, 
but I would say that it was the only year that uh, only game that year that where we needed bandages, and uh, by the end of the game we'd probably run out of them. But um, look, it, it didn't look good. But the, the fact of the matter is, we didn't stand up to to the physicality of, of me. Um, you know, Point Martin had made uh, me the played us two or three times in, in challenge games. If they stood off throne, and at the point I made earlier, we were fast on, on a mobile side back then. If you give them time and space on the ball, we would have destroyed and, and challenge games. We did that. So Meads were physically stronger. They had a lot of big men in around the middle, and they were going to have to uh, make their advantage count. And they certainly did that. And from a throne point of view, we didn't we didn't stand up to it the way we should have. There's a great picture of you kicking that point and John McDermott just about to hit you. Like your eyes are completely on the ball. Did you feel him coming? You know, did you have an idea? You were, there was someone coming in late. Sometimes you can kind of sense these things. Uh, I probably did, but again, like the point I made earlier with with McGill again, you see somebody coming in and to hit you with shoulders. Normally, it doesn't do you a pile of harm. Um, so it was the fact that whatever way I landed in the ankle, I went over in the ankle, yeah. that's, that's what did the damage. It, it, it wasn't the shoulder, but uh, again, from our point of view, it was just unfortunate. Uh, nine times out of ten, you'd bounce up and you'd be okay. Yeah. The, the, there was calls into Liveline then, Martin, the next day, Colin O'Rourke and McBride went on on to debate either side of the, the game. Like It caused absolute outrage nationally, I suppose. It did, I suppose, yeah. Look, I, I, I probably was called in. I wasn't going to get involved really in that because the game was over as far as I was concerned. It was just unfortunate that it was all headlines. Was, I think the Sunday game could have been inundated with calls as well. And the marriage for Newcombe show, as you say, was on the next day. And it was, it, um, it got good publicity or bad publicity, whatever you want to put it. But um, on, the, on, the, on my point of view, looking at it, it, it didn't do me any good for a long time. There was a chance that I was going to miss out in the All Ireland final. I went to the CCC. There was a chance I might miss out in the All Ireland final. That's what happened, and uh, that was a worry for probably the got the two or three weeks, um, and then I got the word then that I was able to play in it. So that that took that was a weight off my shoulders. But certainly before the All Ireland final, it didn't do me much good for maybe the got the two weeks anyway. You know. Right. But I saw it, you. It was just I one of these. These are But I have to say that um, as Peter said earlier, I think. Tyrone kind of really made up for them in the years to come. We probably made a team out of them. I won't, you won't want me saying that. We went on and won three all Ireland after that. So um, it's, they learned the hard way, I suppose, if I could say that. Maybe that's the wrong way of saying it. But they probably learned a lot from that game. And, and you see the record there in the, in the last number of years that they, they won, what, they won three all Ireland. And uh, that, was, that was good for them, you know. Yeah, and true, and as well, Peter. It's all Martin said in his book that this that was the best ever game they played in Crow Park, even better than any of the games in in eighty seven, eighty eight when they won the All Ireland. So I suppose that's a that's a big statement from those eighty seven, eighty eight teams, and it took that performance for them to beat you. You know, putting the physicality aside. Yeah, well, without a doubt, it, it was a brilliant meet performance. Um, again, some of the incidents that were over the top probably took away from it, but. Um, this was the, the the second coming, and you know, for for Sean Boylan, for this, it was a completely different team, really, than the team that he had won the Lairns with before. And the fact that any big game, when you go in as an underdog, and you come out the right side of it, um, it, it means more to you. And certainly, you have to play above yourselves, uh, you know, in order to, uh, to do that. And that that was the case with with me, and it probably that was the match that made them, and and they never looked back after that. So. 
um, you have to hold your hands up on the on the day and uh, acknowledge the quality of football that, that they did play. Yeah, no, they did. They definitely did in the second half. And uh, there was a league match then the following year, Martin, that you'd like to forget. Up in it was up in Ulm, I think. In fairness, Tyrone gave you the guard of honour, like you know most teams do. Considering the controversy out of that match was a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, um, it was it was a situation that I if, if if I if I didn't go up, I was only showing my hand. And if I if I did go up, I knew what was going to happen. That would happen with a lot of supporters. Look, there's there's supporters all over the country that that can. Just, it takes not that many of them, but there's always a few. And uh, I got a little bit of abuse. Um, I kind of knew I was going to, but I, coming off the field at half time, um, or off the field at full time, I remember I think it was Adrian Kosh. And I think Peter, I don't know, somebody else came and, and walked side by side with me and got me in, and just in case there was any kind of hassle. So I got out of there, no, no problem at all. But it was a nice um, little bit of bells behind the wire. But so I got that in club matches and in county matches as well, some other clubs and other counties. So I didn't really pass much on that. I, I think that, that game, Martin, it was the biggest ever crowd in Oma for an National League game because you had thousands paying for blood. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think it was my blood, Peter, as well. And a lot of cases it was. But uh, they left yeah. disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it, like Tyrone Peters and, and um, that was about but as regards the players there was none of that at all um, I didn't even get a belt I don't think at all during the, the whole match um, and I knew good enough that it was going to be a little bit of uh, from behind the wire but so as I say Peter gets it in club level and we all got it at club level and look, that's just the way it was you know but as I said the players they, they get you got it on out in the field coming off the field at half time and at full time it was always I remember Adrian Cush and I don't know whether you were there but I remember Adrian Cush coming over to me and he said you come in along with me and that was and that was nice to see as well you know OK fair play to the Martin come here thanks very much for taking the call not at all Colin thank you yeah, so Peter, like, I mean, I was reading an article that you wrote and you said that um, that defeat put us back years, more so than the All-Ireland defeat um, the year before. And this was the important one. There was a feeling that we were not able to stand up for ourselves. Like, I mean, and you did go through an awful slump for three or four years then after that. Well, well that was my view then and, and still is. And I suppose the results will prove that. And 96, the way we played to reclaim Ulster, um would indicate that we had recovered from the All-Ireland defeat and, yeah. and we were playing really strong football and we got back to an All-Ireland semi-final. So, but the fact of the matter is, and again, results would, would prove that we didn't recover from 96. Um, I think it was what it was five years since we won. We had to wait five years to win an Ulster title. Right. Um, so the, there was one thing getting beat in a big game. It, it was the manner of the defeat. It was hard to stomach because... Um, once again we went down to Crook Park on the big day and weren't able to deliver like a lot of other thrown teams prior to that and worse than that we were bullied off the pitch um, and we couldn't stand up for ourselves again you had down and Donegal and Derry were able to go down and, and mix it um, where it appeared that this, this thrown team couldn't and all the hype and furore after it probably didn't do us you know, any good. You can talk about it all you want. And in some cases, people were seeing that thrown were cribbing and, and crying about it. Um, when, uh, from a player's point of view, I don't think that, that was the case. But um, it was certainly, in some cases, players didn't, literally didn't, weren't able to come back from, uh, from that defeat. Yeah. And it, it took us quite a while to regroup. 
And it would like, did it take you to win an All Ireland to for, to let, for that to stop annoying you? Well, it, it did because the '95 and '96, right up until 2003, was very much in in my mind because you felt those are the games that you're always going to be talking about and people's going to remember you for. And um, for, from my point of view, I got something out of an All Ireland and. And you can forget about the the losses as, as such, but for the likes of Fergal Logan and uh, Adrian Cush and Pascal, a brother of mine, who you know, Jody Gormley, who's soldiered for uh, thrown for for years, for those men that didn't get a second uh, bite at it. So um, the, the hurt and, and the rawness of the defeat of Dublin and Meath and. and and those years are still very much uh, raw with them. Yeah, well, like, I mean, we've spent enough time, uh, Peter, on the, the hard luck stories and the, the bad stories because uh, we want to focus a little bit more on the good times now towards the end of your career. And a man you know very well, Owen Mulligan, Paddy Powers, Owen Mulligan, joins us on the line now. How's it going, Owen? Not too bad, will it? Not too bad at all. Come here, um, we were talking about doing a tribute show for Peter Canavan, and you didn't hesitate to get involved. No, I didn't. I didn't. I suppose like uh, any other young fella uh, growing up, we uh, we would have been supporting as a, a young fella. Uh, my father and uncle used to take us to all the games, so we would have been watching Peter very closely. Um, uh, maybe playing minor football as well. You're kind of trying to emulate his moves and stuff. So I didn't mind. I didn't mind when you when you phoned me and uh, or sorry, text me when you when you said that. And I, you know. One of them days where you just you just look at the man and, and you think you know how do you do them sort of things with the ball and things and, and stuff like that. So uh, as I said, a, a great player and a, a great man. So what would you be trying to emulate? Um, I, I suppose on the ball, um, his movement uh, was very sharp. And people said to me often said to me, why do you why do you always pass the ball to Canavan for? <laughs> and I my reply was because he's he's always free. He was always free. Uh, he was always out in front. Um, he was uh, great at making space and great at movement. So if I could find him, there's usually a score and usually a, a win for throw, and that was what we were uh, all about at that time. Right, OK, because that, that's it, Peter. Is that kind of the elusiveness? Is that something that you would work on or, you know, waiting I'm for just, the right time to make the run? I'm just pinching myself to see if I'm still living here, all these nice things that have been said about me. <laughs> I know, by, I know. By Owen Mulligan. It's there's, there's something wrong. Um... Uh, look, it was uh, from my point of view. I'd, I'd played in the, in the 90s with uh, a big ginger-haired lad that was hard to listen to, Dinky McBride, and then <laughs> lo and behold, he goes and, and another one ginger man that's hard to listen to comes African along. Sunset, but, Pete, African sunset, Pete. African sunset. But um, look, it, it it was Owen and the other fellas that that came in along with him, Andy McGinley and Stevie O'Neill, Cormac Hub. Um, they they all made a massive impact on on coming on the back of our conversation, Willie, where I, I was explaining that things were at a low ebb. We were still getting over the, the hangover from the '96 defeat, and um, with different management, but the the uh, ructions from from that defeat still lingered in, in the squad, and it really took these younger men coming in and they were a breath of, of fresh air to, to the whole setup. Um not only were they great footballers, um 
but they had serious ambition. They they were winners, and on the top of it all off, most of them were good crack too, uh, and they really did liven up the whole thing. So from from my end of things, when you had a group of boys coming in like that, it was easy to to hang on and 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 to be part of it, and uh, uh, and thankfully for 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 uh, for us, uh, things went from strength to strength. We we were talking here, Mugsy, about the ninety five, ninety six uh, losses and the kind of hangover after yeah. that. Like, I mean, were you oblivious to that coming in as young fellas, or were you just like bulletproof young lads who had won? No, you know? uh, well, I'd say ninety five. I was actually at the match behind the nets when the whole pick up was it a pick up? Was it not a pick up? Uh, off the ground, um, it definitely looked a, a legit point. Um, absolutely broke all the supporters' hearts. I was at the Mays game as well when. Um, McDermott took Pete out um, and they gave us it was like lambs to the slaughter his men coming off with, with uh, headbands and blooded headbands on so I we knew as supporters but coming in um, Peter was probably right there touched on it Mickey Hart probably installed a self-belief in us that nobody could beat us he always he always said Hart says that these days are not always going to be like this so we kind of believed that that you know we have to take everything that's put in front of you and if it meant taking out your teammate at training uh, to get a number 15, 1-15 jersey, that was it. And we seemed to come into that uh, panel. Now, I played under Art McCrory and Eugene for one year. Yeah. Great men as well. And then Mickey come in. So um, it's, I knew what Mickey had did. I, I played under Mickey since I was, I was 15. So I knew the sort of mentality and what he wanted. And I, know that, I knew that the, the Art Irons was in sight. When I get in and my my team and my players that I played with, and then we amalgamated with the older and experienced boys, I sort of started to develop a, a new training. There was something special happening. Um, the players had a massive respect for the older boys because they what they had been through, like the likes of Chris Law and Pete and, and different ones they got. So it was a great blend, and as I said, there was it was crack along the way as well, and that's what made it. Yeah, I think Stephen O'Neill was injured in 03. You were the two-man full forward line, wasn't that? Wasn't that how it worked, uh, Peter? Yeah, um, Stephen had missed out a few games with with injury, so um, myself and Owen were up front. But even uh, through the league as well, um, there's there's players that you, you click with and uh, who seem to be on the same wavelength, uh, Aj. And it was obvious just. From our interplay uh, and the amount of scores that we we set up for one another, that the, there was a good partnership there, and it it makes life easier when you're forward when you're working in, in limited space. Those simple wee things can can make a hell of a difference. And um, as was mentioned earlier, to, to, you're playing along with somebody that always has a smile on on his face. Or maybe I was the opposite, but it, it <laughs> certainly helped. It certainly helped things, and uh, we were strong. Um, uh, from an attacking point of view, and again, it's strange that after the uh, our victories in in uh, 03 in particular, a lot of emphasis was on that uh, one minute of of tackling against Kerry in the semi final, and people perceived Throne to be uh, a very defensive team. Yet all you have to do is go back and and actually watch those games, and, and you'll see the amount of scores. That we racked up in, in, in all the games that we played that year. I think the the final maybe was our lowest scoring, but um, there was quality players, and it was all about moving the ball forward at at at, at uh, pace, and uh, we were able to open up a lot of defences. 
Did, why do you think your partnership was so good, Muggsy? Is it because Peter would have coached you and, you know, you kind of knew what each other liked? Um, yeah, he would have took underage Holy Trinity teams and school teams. And, uh, you know, you know he, as a manager, he would have spoke a lot of sense. But, you know, there was a partnership there. I had played with uh, the likes of Brian Wigan. Now, he was a vital cog, and I think the wheel um, at centre-half forward, he's probably the, you know, the orchestrator. He was the one that fed the ball into most, most of us, you know, Peter would have come loops and we, we kind of knew what way we were running and who to, who to block and what, what to do. But as I said, we had it off um, with 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 the, the players that uh, were there, like the likes of Jared Calvin as well. Them boys with giving the ball in, their distribution. I, I always said in, in different articles that I did, it was very hard not to score because it was either one bounce or into your chest. And if Pete was coming, coming uh, running off, off you and, and he was giving you the white CIs, you, you knew to give it to them. Um, it, football's an, an easier game if you give it to the running man and if you give it to the man in a better position. And that's the way I always played. If a man's in a better position, you give the ball to them. And nine times out of ten, Peter Calvo, Brian McGuigan, probably were they were the boys giving the ball in, but we were the ones that was finishing. And, and it, was, it was a joy. And sometimes you just seen that the 2005 goal was, was kind of textbook fully. Billy Jordan with an angle pass I caught it and, and Pete run after me so that's the way it was and that's the way we tried to play it I want to get to that goal um, now in a minute but because uh, obviously all these minors came through uh, Peter and but you still didn't get over the line in 2002 despite winning the National League and there's pressure growing and in the Ulster final in 2003 you were nine points down and you were playing a week after your father passed away and you had a penalty and you said scoring that penalty was the most important uh, score of your career. Oh, without a doubt. Um, because you're quite right, O2 was hard to stomach and again, the quality of football that we played in O2 I felt was very good with a number of the newcomers coming on but the same old problem, we went down to Croke Park against a very strong Slego team that we were expected uh, to defeat but we still weren't able to do that so once again there was the nagging doubt there uh, are, are we cut out for it do we have the stuff to do it so we had a bounce back from that there was new management in 03 with uh, with Mickey so there was a fresh uh, impetus about this, the, the squad there was a number of more younger dads brought in um, but all that good work and things may have been totally different if Down had a uh, won that day and uh, that also the final because if the penalty had been missed it was as good as a goal to to down I don't think they would have looked back it would have been a real fill up to them um, and for us at that stage we needed that just to give ourselves a chance of getting back in the game and thankfully from that uh, we managed to get a draw that day uh, we didn't really look back as, as a team we went from strength to strength and we down it, it was the opposite uh, and I often wonder if they had a won that day, how the fortunes of the two counties may have may have changed. Yeah, right. Like that. I mean, and is that where that manic intensity semi final against Kerry came from then in '03? Because that was the next championship game after the Sligo game and after other games where back down to Croke Park Championship. And did you have to show a different side of you? Yeah, I think we defeated um, Fermanagh. I think Owen can can verify that. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we defeated Vermont yeah. in the, the quarterfinal and played really well and, and again racked up another big score. Um, and coming up to the the Kerry game, there was no, again, and I've said it so many times, there was no defensive game plan. It, it was a case of 
working harder than them. I, I recall watching clips of them doing scoring brilliant scores and moving the ball at speed. And I think there was just uh, an, an acknowledgement that if you give these carry men time on the ball, they're capable of uh, destroying you, such as the quality of football that they had. And I think that's what all that was about. And I think Mickey put it to us, which team is going to be going to have the most hunger. And no matter what happens, we were going to work harder than they were. So it just stemmed from that. And, you know, the, the, again, even though everybody talks about the tackling and, and the hunger, if you watch the first half of, of the, that uh, thrown carry game, you'll see that the quality of the attacking play was something else. And I, I don't just mean the six forwards that lined out. But Throne really took Kerry uh, apart uh, by playing really good attacking football, and I think that's often overlooked. Yeah, no, it's exactly it. It wasn't defensive football. It was forwards working really, really hard. I think Brian Cody copied it then in the hurling, and that's what they do um, there now. Come here, lads. You had some great moments together. I mentioned the two-man full forward line and the understanding you had. The free in 2005, Muggsy, is a big one. You're clearly saying, I don't mind, and you're smiling. Um, it's hard. You, you don't see what Peter's saying to you because you just see the back of Peter's I, head. I was saying, I don't mind, but just if you go to the left of the screen, Brian McGuigan's coming running over and shouting, leave the fucking ball alone, leave the ball alone, <laughs> give, give it to Canavan. I think maybe Horst was on at that stage and he was doing the same. Look, I didn't mind, but at the end of the day, um, when Peter Canavan's standing over you and he's probably 100% record, I'm not going to say I'll take it because yeah, at the end of the day, the ball's going to go over when... Uh, when Pete's got it so I was look don't get me wrong I was saying I don't mind but at the end of the day it was a massive massive kick um, for anybody to take and as I said Canavan put the head down and put it over and the rest is history What, what was going through your head Peter because like I mean this was just peak rivalry with Armagh at that stage Well it certainly was and I had no intention of, of, of kicking it and I had every confidence in Owen because uh, as he mentioned earlier, he played for the schooler first All Ireland in in the school in Holy Trinity was won in nineteen ninety eight, and and Owen was the main man on that team. So <coughs> I had I had watched him hitting free kicks and knew what he was capable of. And I recall after that year telling him two things: he says, Owen, someday you end up winning uh, an All Ireland medal with Throne, and someday you'll end up working with Paddy Power. Um, but regarding the the free kick itself um, I I had no intention because Owen was hitting the freeze hitting them well and it was Sean Kavanagh and I think McGuigan came running over shouting to me to get up uh, to get over to hit it and I don't know whether that was a vote of confidence to me or whether they just didn't want Muggsy hitting them (laughs) but either way uh, it it, it panned out and if I hadn't hit it I would no doubt it would have went over the bar anyway but uh, thankfully it, it went over and, and we didn't look back because there's pressure on you big time there Peter because like I mean uh, the Ulster final replay against Armagh and this is another great moment the two of you you were a double substitution that day and like I mean Muggsy you would go on against Dublin the next day and you know kickstart your season really yes. and uh like the two of you came on. What did you do to get sent off that day, Peter? Like, I mean, it was completely innocuous. <laughs> I blame Muggsy for piling in, and whoever had piled in and made it look like you'd done something wrong. Uh, tackle Kieran McGinney, that's, that's all I did. No, look. Um, again, funny, I did get watching the game recently there, and there was a, a slight rumpus just b- before that, um, hence the reason for the hot ball in, in the first place. 
So uh, I would have thought that the referee was afraid this game starting to get out of hand. It was really right. starting to get physical. There was a bit of a rumpus, and he had to make a, a, an example of a few boys. And hence, I was one of them that was because I had just come on to the game. Um, so he wanted to, to make a statement. But uh, thankfully, the CCC also made a statement because they got the suspension uh, rescinded, uh, both myself and Stephen O'Neill. Stephen O'Neill was sent off in the wrong that day as well. But, um, yeah, you're dead right. Well, it all came back to, to Muggsy. Muggsy should have got the blame, and I took the flag. <laughs> There's about five lads piled in the minute you, you put your arms around McGeady, and that was all, that's all it was, really. You kind of wrapped them up. There, there was, was nothing to it. There was, there was nothing to it. My memory, Jim McGeever didn't do much to get sent off either, apart from pull the drawers to me. But uh, that was the height of it. <laughs> right. Okay. Do you mention the goal, Muggsy, in 05? Like, I mean, was this practice and training? Like, you wouldn't often see uh, Philip Jordan driving in high ones like that. Um, we were. I suppose Armagh really started the the high diagonal ball. It used to be Clark and and. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie Mac, you know. So um, we knew, we knew, you know, we would try that sometimes. High ball. I wasn't bad in the air. I would have played uh, midfield for, as Pete mentioned, there schools and, and different underage teams. So I was, I was happy enough with the high ball or, or the low ball. I didn't really mind. But as I said, um, I think I pointed over till the, the diagonal and, and Philly, Philly gave it the welly and, and, I, and I caught it. But as I said. Canavan come come on there, and I always talk about the white sides. And once you see somebody coming with the white sides, they know the main business. And I don't think Pete could have put it anywhere else. Um, no. He had a blast at it. Um, I think the big man would have saved it, but just low and hard into the, the near corner, it was perfect. You know, you were running so fast, uh, Peter. You had like Moxie said, you had nothing to aim at, but you just had to kind of flick the outside of the ball. Yeah, well, funny we'd, we'd played Cross McLean I think the year uh, year before, and it had a similar chance, and it went into that corner because most goalkeepers, when you, when you come across like that, expect you to blast it to, to the other side. So, um, I, I think Paul or uh, Dermot Murphy was leaving the space at the far side, ready to pounce there. So, look, some of them go in and, and some of them don't, but. Uh, it, it was a pivotal score for us at that stage. That was the most important thing. And again, another good move. It was Philly Jordan that, that played the diagonal ball into the Muggsy. Um, and the timing of the pass was good. And then he held off his, his man just to give me a few, uh, another extra second to get the shot away. And uh, it, uh, it panned out all right. There was always a, there was always a ruthless streak with Pete. I remember, uh, I think it was 2003, Pete, against Fermanagh. We were winning maybe about. I think we were winning a good 14, 15 points and I was coming through and it was uh, you on the left-hand side. I think it was Owen's full back for Fermanagh and I chose to fist it over the bar. I don't know if you remember this. And I went away punching to the crowd thinking, right, that's an hour, that's an hour score on my belt. But you come into the change rooms and you says to me, uh, you all right? What was the crack out there? And I says, what's up? And he says, you says to me, the goal was on. And I says, Pete, I says, we're 14 points up. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The goal was on. Go for the goal. Should have squared it. I don't know if you remember that, but it was in, it was in the it was in the, in the the changing rooms. After that, I was like, yeah. I was fed up passing you that many balls. I was written on a few back. You see, <laughs> what what was going through your head to take a fisted pint, Muggsy? I'm nearly bored. I know. I know. No. I know. I, do, I didn't think I was having a good enough game, and I probably just put it over. 
you know, maybe felt sorry for Fafana. No, no, no defence or no offence, but um, the goal was on and probably should have scored it. But um, said uh, agreed, got the better of me, Willie. <laughs> it happens through us all, uh, Mosey. Come here. Thanks very much for, for joining the call. No worries, mate. No worries. Season and have a lot. Cheers. Good luck. Cheers, that 2005, um, Peter, your last year that we're talking about there, like, I mean, you were on and off um, in the final again that year. You weren't injured that year. Like, I mean, did, would you have been as agreeable to this plan as you were in 03 when you were injured? Uh, probably not, but <laughs> I did I did spend a good bit of 05 on the on the treatment table too for yeah. those different ailments, and I didn't get a, a good, uh, you know, fair crack at the, old season, uh, at the full season. But funny... From the semi-final to the final, um, was injury-free, and, and I got a couple of good weeks training under my belt, and, and I probably felt good. And Mickey actually came onto the pitch when uh, when we were going off against Kerry to say that he wanted to take me off and leave me fresh for, for the last uh, 15 minutes. And I, I told him I was feeling all right. I didn't mind that that was his call. Um, but he said no, that he, he definitely wanted me fresh for the end because he expected it to be close going down the last 10 or 15 minutes and he, he, he wanted to give it a boost. So I said, I'm happy to stay on. It was his call. So I, I, it was a case of trusting him that he knew what he wanted to do. And um, thankfully from our end of it, he was he was absolutely right. And yeah. uh, it, it, it worked out okay. That's interesting. I would have thought you might have planned that the Friday or the Saturday. You know, like I think he did that in '03. It was planned in advance. He just told you as you were coming off at halftime. Well, I was I was glad even even to get start in that final because again, um, there was other players probably had trained more consistently and um, that that than I had, um, and I was in and out of the team. Um, so to, just for me to get. Darton was was a vote of confidence. I was happy, uh, and I could have obviously seen why he wanted to start with somebody else and brought me on later. So I was happy to have got the start. I was happy to have to have made a good impact in the in, in the first half. So I, I felt good enough, and and this was going to be, I, I it had been a quite a while since I'd played a full game. Right. So again, I was I was trusting that he was making the right call. He was doing it for the right reasons, and. It, it proved right. I was fresh going on for the last 10 or 15 minutes and, and got an important score. So, uh, once again, it was a big call that had to be made. He wasn't afraid to do it. Yeah. And it, it, it was for the better. A great, a great call. And, like, I mean, were you stiff coming back on? What did you st- What did you do to stay limbered up at 34 at that stage? Well, uh, when, when you're full of adrenaline after scoring a goal in an All-Ireland <laughs> final, I, I was I know nothing about it. <laughs> um, so um, no, I'd, I'd, I'd no bother, and, and such again with the excitement and, and, and the buzz of, of just partaking in an All Ireland final. That's stuff of dreams. So it, it, it was no problem getting keep staying warm or staying involved in the game and uh, wanting to make an impact. Then whenever you do come on, there is. I would say there's nobody in the history of GEA has had the experience and the buzz of scoring a goal, sitting on the bench watching 20 minutes and then coming back on again. Well, I was well used to doing it that year, or from 2003 on. But yeah, look, it's uh, you're 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 absolutely right. But you must bear in mind that the the quality of of the players that we had then as well. Um, you know, in, in 2003, the likes of Stevie O'Neill coming on to 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 win the game for you, uh, and again in, in 05 for those three or four years, we were really blessed with with, with a strong panel. And Mickey was able to to chop and change. And in 05, he had to do it a lot. 
and uh, because we played ten games, uh, I think we're the only team to to, to win in All Ireland after playing ten games. Um, you need a strong panel, and at times, the, you know, it wasn't a case of using the same players all the time. At least 25, 26 players used throughout that campaign. So we were fortunate in that regard at that certain period that we had quality players to, to call upon. Okay, listen, brilliant stuff, Peter. We're going to finish with a 10 questions round um, here. We'll run through these fairly quickly. Fire um, away. So if you're, we're ready, we'll go. Question one If you weren't playing for Tyrone, what county would you like to have played for? Um, Galway. I suppose I always had good time for the Galway people and like the way they play their football. Um, a lot of good sportsmen down in that part of the world, so it would have to be Galway. A very good answer there. One I one I agree with. Worst ever game. Question two. Nineteen ninety one. My first championship game for Throne in Oma against Derry. Um, the only championship game I was taken off for playing poorly. Go away on your debut. Not my debut, my debut in Oma. Um, your debut, home debut. Yeah, home debut. And any any idea why you didn't play well that day? Was it was it nerves the, or was it? The answer to the next question. <laughs> question number three: Who's your most difficult opponent? Well, that's why he was taken off. I was marking Kieran McKeever that day and uh, didn't get touching leather, so uh, he remained a difficult opponent. <laughs> right. A number okay, of times I've played against him. He he was a tough bit of stuff. Tough bit of stuff, but uh, he could play ball. He yeah. anticipation was good, and as a cornerback, uh, he was trying to read the game as well as knowing exactly where my movements were. Um, so difficult man to get the better of. Okay, question number four: If you could have signed one player for Tyrone during your time, who would it have been? Um. In the earlier years, I would say definitely Anthony Tohill because if Anthony Tohill had been playing for a throne, I don't think Derry would have won as much and certainly we would have been. I would have had a few more Ulster medals. Um, I'd say now or in, in later years, if I was to get one player, it would have to be Michael Murphy for the same reason. Um, I don't think Donegal would have, would have won as, as much, obviously, without him. And certainly the throne would be sitting with uh, a good few more Ulster titles if it wasn't for Michael Murphy. OK, no, question number five. What's your favourite position and your best position? Uh, favourite position? Probably um, full forward. And I'd say that's has been my, my best position. Played a few different positions for the club, but um, definitely full forward would be my preferred position. OK, question number six. The hardest, dirtiest player you've marked? Oh, that's easy enough. Uh, hardest player, without a doubt, uh, John Lynch um, from Throne. And the dirtiest player, without a doubt, uh, Paul Donnelly um, from Throne and Barra, a.k.a. The Hog. <laughs> I thought Ackermanis might have got a mention there, but we're keeping a GA. Certainly. <laughs> Best advice a manager ever gave you? Um 2005 Ulster final replay when I was coming on a sub Mickey Hart said to me uh, to stay out of trouble <laughs> Question number 8 Are my player you most admired from 2002 to 2005? Um, always thought Benny Tierney was very cute but uh, I don't think you mean admired in that sense <laughs> um, The well it would have to be I suppose Kieran McGinney obviously 
or Francie Bell, you have to pick one man um, because you knew exactly uh, where you stood with Francie. You knew that he was trying to break you in two every time you got the ball, but uh, he never opened his mouth. And um, he was a cult hero uh, with our mass supporters. So I'd say maybe Francie, Francie Bell, you might just take that award. Okay, question number nine. What other manager would you like to have played under? Um, well, very fortunate to have played under a number of, of quality managers, and I, I would like to think I learnt under everybody that I played off, but played under. But if there was one man that, that I would I'd love to have played under, it would, it would have to be Paddy O'Shea. Okay, very good. Um, question number ten to finish up: Where do you keep your All Ireland medals and your All Stars? Um. The All Stars are, I think, some some of them's on the mantelpiece. I know one of them, uh, my mother had. Um, the All Ireland medals, I think, I hope, are in a, a a box in the house here somewhere. Locked away. What about your jer- your jerseys? Do you keep your All Ireland jerseys or different? Yeah, I would have kept a few older jerseys from different players that I would have swapped um, swapped jerseys with. Um, Played leash a few times, but I don't think I got yours, uh, Willie. <laughs> um, but you did. Uh, you didn't want the subs jerseys. You wanted the starter ones. <laughs> you, you were never on the pitch at the end of the game, so for me to swap with you. Um, yeah. So what if? Yeah, I still have the the jerseys, and it's good to look back um, on the older to have some of the older jerseys, and um, to, especially some of the teams that you would have played against in, in, in big games. It's good to have them and to share memories with the people that wore them. Exactly. Well, come here, Peter. I won't keep you any longer. Thanks for giving us up um, an hour of your day to, to uh, well, it is a tribute to you. So, like, I mean, thanks very much for taking the time. Cheers, and thanks a million, Willie. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put him back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.